Hey, Meg, uh, it's, uh, it's been about six months since we uh, recorded the last episode of this uh, here program. Sure and, has been. And uh, look at what our boy has been up to. Oh, my skin crawls. <laughs> Sting is doing Wasn't Me. With Shaggy. I'm telling you, he owes somebody a lot of money. <laughs> My favorite comment on this YouTube video is somebody just simply commented, did, did Sting lose a bet? Yeah. <laughs> I heard that, and I'd like to find some like video of this, that he and Shaggy played for the Queen. And apparently it was awful. <laughs> Oh, God, other, I just want to make it stop. The other thing I like about this video is uh, you can see in various points that, like, Sting is reading all of the lyrics off of Prompter. <laughs> so he really is into, like, his partner, it, it, his collaboration. It's it's karaoke. Yeah. Like, he's doing karaoke. <laughs> and And is it not appropriate that he began his career by bleaching blonde his hair? And now he is ending it by bleach blonde dyeing his hair. <laughs> You're sure he's ending it? Full you circle. You think this is it? Oh, can you, you, this is the can you come back from this? <laughs> can anyone come back from this? I don't know. We shall see. And with uh, that. And with that. Welcome to Outlandish to Podcast, an album-by-album rewatch of Sting's attempt to secure a State Department job through jazz diplomacy. I'm Adam Ragusea, and I think that the Marshall Plan was a high point of U.S. diplomacy. I'm Meg Donahue, and I think Clement Attlee was the best post-war prime minister. (laughs) I guess... National health, baby! (laughs) What's up, what's up? Today, we are talking about Sting's first solo album, Island of the Blue Tortoises. Nope. Dream of the Blue Turtles. That's it? That's it. I really have trouble remembering this one. You really do. (laughs) I mean, there's islands, and then there's inlets, and (laughs) there's a lot of geography. Stop talking about my inlet. (laughs) Is it fair to say that this is like Sting's professional peak? Is it the peak of his popularity? I think it's definitely the peak of his popularity, because now he starts getting into films and stuff. Films. uh, Films. Not movies. Not movies. Films. Sting does films. Sting does films. Mm. Um, I think he's at his most, you know, potential energy now. Like he could have gone anywhere, <laughs> and now we see where he went with it. So I, I like what you, you qualified oh, as potential energy. Potential energy, right? <laughs> right? Like he had such momentum, mm. and he kept it going for a good long time. He's got the big mo. He's got, got the big <laughs> mo in '85. <laughs> Dream of the big turtles. <laughs> Dream of the big turtles. <laughs> <laughs> So big these turtles. So big, so the big. Biggest, biggest, the biggest turtles. turtles. Was Sting gonna have like a like a medium sized turtle? <laughs> no, and he's no. definitely not gonna have a small. No, one. no, 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 uh-uh. no. He's not gonna have medium sized turtles. It's gotta be at least ten percent bigger than the Queen's turtle. Because <laughs> I mean, he saw, he saw that turtle. He saw that turtle walking down the street <laughs> in, the in Newcastle, in car. and he thought, "I want to be riding that turtle." Exactly. My turtle's going to be between 15 and 20% larger than the Queen's turtle. Uh, Dream of the Blue Turtles was released in 1985. Adam, what was happening in the world in 1985? 
while the domain name system was invented, DNS allows numerical IP addresses on the internet to be replaced, from the user's perspective at least, by more accessible domain names, such as Sting.com or Sting.biz, which is owned by this guy. Oh, yo. It's Jürgen Sting. It's Jürgen Sting. It's his, it's his, like, oh, it's his CV website. <laughs> He's got, I like Sting.biz. Probably somebody over at AM is like, God damn it, why did we get Sting.biz? Because Jürgen Sting already Jürgen had it. Jürgen was squatting on it. He's got, yeah, he got a nice little plaid shirt. He does. He's, looking, got like a, he's got a boat behind his shoulder, so he's really rocking that Sting vibe. He's looking real confident. Like, you know, if you were to bring me on your team, I'd bring a whole lot of poise. A whole lot of poise and the best of the German culture. Jürgen Sting. <laughs> Welcome in to the... Ma- oh, he's a mariner. No, I'm just... My German's just terrible. Oh, heavens. Oh, heaven. The song We Are the World was recorded. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, song, the song We Are the World was recorded. The title was abbreviated from We Are the World's Most Insufferable Rich People and we'll sing at you about Africa in a kind of way that you think is a soda commercial. <laughs> Plus, Dan Aykroyd's here. Produced by Quincy Jones. <laughs> Perfect. Also in 1985, basically a ton of the greatest albums ever made came out. You have The Cure's Head on the Door. You have my favorite R.E.M. record, which is Fables of the Reconstruction. Rush's Power Windows, Songs from the Big Chair by Tears for Fears, Talking Heads, Little Creatures, and of course, Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits, featuring the song Money for Nothing, and a cameo from our boy Sting, stealing his own melody from Don't Stand So Close to Me, and therefore... Getting a writing credit on Money for Nothing, which meant that as a result, he got tons and tons of money for doing just about nothing. Which has been his MO since 1993. Those, those, <laughs> those big turtles don't pay for those themselves. Big turtles, baby! I'm going to give you maybe one line and recycle some old stuff and <laughs> sit in the dark <laughs> eating gold. <laughs> Chomp, chomp, chomp. Uh, explains the hair. Right, exactly. It's in the blood now. <laughs> the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes is introduced. These are, this is a real gold doubloons, <laughs> damn it, asshole. It's the, like the little Jewish chocolate right. things. <laughs> but why is he eating the foil? <laughs> we have to tell him it's real gold. It's fine. <laughs> 75% of his diet is made up of that. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. You can do your line now. The comic strip Calvin and Hobbes is introduced, giving college professors something new to post on their doors to prove to everybody that uh, they get it. Not like anyone that we... No, I'm not even going to make that joke. No, uh uh-uh. No, walk it back. Walk it back. 1985, the year that I didn't write a line. Um, (laughs) 1985, the year that Sting sought to find out if he could, like Tywin Lannister, shit gold. Nice! really helps along with those doubloons. All right, let's talk about this album. Mm. I love this album. You do. I do. I have to admit, I when I listened back to it last night to prepare for this, I really enjoyed it. And I'm not saying that I like it. <laughs> I'm not saying that I think it's good in all respects, but boy, I re- there's it's a very enjoyable listen. 
Especially if you just like turn down your insufferable sensitivity. Right. Your sensitivity to insufferability. I would think that people who went to music school would actually like this album because it's very jazz heavy. And jazz. I know, oh, so and jazz. I, and I know you guys like jazz. 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 This was my jazz. mother's favorite album when I was a little kid and she was driving me around in the minivan. Oh. Um, so maybe that's part of why I enjoy it. Um, the Aerostar. It's a mom friendly album, this <laughs> one. Mom friendly album. Yeah. And there I was at like 14 listening to it. Mm. Everybody else was being doing cool stuff like Nirvana and stuff. And I'm like, no, you guys, have you heard of Sting? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry with your Nirvana. It's got, it has, well, let's just talk about the production style of it for a moment. Okay. Um, which is that, and, and that's in fact, I think probably the most dated thing about it is that this era in the mid-'80s, high-budget productions were just drenched in reverb, just lots and lots of echo, and lots and lots of very high frequency. It's very, very bright-sounding, lots of high sounds. Give me a, um, and our listeners, uh, an example. Oh, okay. Well, should we start on the, the beginning? Okay. Song begins the uh, epic subtweeting of the police that happens <laughs> at various <laughs> times true. at this point in Sting's career. Actually, I, think I love you, Stuart and Andy. So that's why I had to set you free. I know. Actually, I think it's a darker thing than that. I think it's all about this album is all about his divorce. Oh, okay. Well, there's that. Okay, listen to the snare drum uh, or the um, the the tambourine sound. Yep. Yep. I hear that. Very, very bright echo sound. Um, Did Hugh Padgham um, produce this? Hugh? Hugh? Hugh. Did our good pal Hugh? Um, If only there was some way to find out. I know. There's no way to know. No no one can ever know. Yeah. (laughs) No one can ever know. That information isn't available anywhere for anyone. So to me, I'd actually like really like to hear a remix of this album um, that just toned it down a little bit. Um, My first gut reaction when you said remix was like, oh, God, he's going to get Shaggy on there and they're going to redo it. <laughs> and it's going to be awful. Oh, God. <laughs> I, you know, I was just about to try to do like a Shaggy, you know. No. <laughs> ad lib over this and then I was just like if there's only if there's one thing I could do to embarrass myself beyond the level at which Sting has already embarrassed himself it's really that yeah your shaggy impression (laughs) Um, but the point the point that I'm trying to make is that it's a very bright sounding album which to me made it and always very enjoyable. It's just, it's got lots of bright colors on it. Yeah. You know? So it's like um, serious, but also 80s. The 80s with the um, mm. the neon and the just, I just want to say go go. Mm. <laughs> just the go go. The cocaine fueled go go. Oh, yeah. It's a very <laughs> cocaine sounding album. Yeah. Interesting. Sting chose to switch to the guitar for this record. Ah. Yeah. Uh, he's been a bass man his whole professional life, and he switched to the guitar. I think. Because he sort of thought, like, well, that's what you do when you step out front, right? Right, like, yeah. I'm, um, I'm going to play the guitar now, and therefore I can be – whereas before I was only 98% the center of attention. Right. I need to be 105. Yeah. <laughs> 105%. But um, interestingly, I was, like, listening to this album thinking, where's the freaking guitar? Like the guitar is so unimportant in these arrangements and so low in the mix. He's clearly not confident on that thing. Hmm. He, I mean, it's a very sax-driven album. Oh, yeah. So much sax. Oh, so we have to talk about the band. We got to talk about the band. Okay. So he went ahead and hired a whole bunch of uh, really, really top-level young jazzmen 
from the United States. <laughs> from New Orleans. From New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, most notably, Branford Marsalis on the saxophone. Sax- jazzy saxophone. Jazzy saxophone. Who's the younger brother of Wynton Marsalis, the very famous uh, trumpet player and jazz composer. Um, and Omar Hakim on the drums, very famous jazz drummer. And I can't remember the other two guys. There's the keyboard player who who kept playing keyboards with him. <laughs> There's the keyboard long, player. For, yeah. So, can't see the can't see the hands. <laughs> Can't see. These are my keyboard hands. <laughs> this song's gonna be a hit. <laughs> my, my keyboard signifying hands are very similar to Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. It's sort of like if a Tyrannosaurus Rex washed his hands and there wasn't any paper towel. That would be what that would look like. That's what that looks like. Um, so this forces us to uh, begin uh, a temporary segment, a temporary regular segment. Temporary. It's a regular segment just for this episode. Which is going to be a problematic thing said by Sting about the Islander, the Blue Tortoises band. <laughs> do, do, do. Can, I think uh, we need we need to make a little sounder here. So can you just say problematic? <laughs> so problematic. <laughs> and I'll uh, let's see. I can put in a. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, quote, quoth, quoth, sti- quoth the sting. <laughs> quoth the man. <laughs> <laughs> the, floor bo- the four blue turtles are the four musicians of my band. The sea is a good symbol of the subconscious, and I feel that black people are closer to that unconscious. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I've never heard that quote before. So problematic. <sighs> oh, my God. Who did he say that to? Uh, <laughs> oh, I want to crawl out of the room right now. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, Branford's older brother, Winton, the trumpet player, was openly critical of his younger brother's participation in this band ah. uh, because he said that, you know, uh, Sting is basically just hiring black musicians to yeah. legitimize it's the, himself. It's this typical rock and roll stealing from. Right, exactly. So here's another quote. <clears throat> Regarding Wynton Marsalis's argument that I've stained the purity of black music, these arguments are used by the South African government to defend apartheid. So problematic. This guy. I mean. This fucking guy. This fucking guy. This fucking guy. Because that's exactly how that works. That's exactly how that it's works. It's reverse racism. Yep. I'm pretty sure, you know, de Klerk called up Sting and was like, hey, you know what? Wynton Marsalis is doing the same thing I'm doing. No. <laughs> No. Was that your South African accent? Yeah, same thing I'm doing. He's just. <laughs> oh, oh my God! Oh, that accent was the start of the Third Boer War. <laughs> I can't do something. Hello. <laughs> and the third and final quote. Oh God! There's another one. Why? <laughs> quote Sting. All the people in my band are from middle class backgrounds. I'm the only working class kid in the band. I'm from my own kind of ghetto. So problematic. Oh my God. Oh my God. I do, I do actually like it's, it's, it occurred to me because he made tons of versions of that argument to so many magazines and it occurred to me because i went and i checked on it and this is like not at all germane to anything interesting that we're talking about (laughs) but um 
the way that the British people use the term middle class is very different from the way that Americans use the term middle class. Because basically in America, everyone is middle class. Everyone self-identifies as middle class. Right. Um, but and, – and by that we mean like not rich. Right. right. Yeah. Not poor, not an untouchable. Right. By working know. class, he means his parents had jobs. Right. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Middle class in Britain means professional class. It means. Yeah. Uh, it means like doctors being a lawyer and lawyers. Or doctors. Yeah. Like his mother, um, Sting's mother was a hairdresser and his father was a milkman and. Milkman. A milkman. Milkman. And um, it's not as if any of them worked at factories. You know, when he's, mm. you know, maybe he, I don't. Did he live in a council when he, a council estate when a he was council younger? Estate? I think that that was a council estate, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know. I'm from th- a ghetto Brit- of my own. I don't think it's quite the same. <laughs> Britain had a very robust welfare state at, welfare state at this time. And yeah. so like half of the population lived in, in council houses. Right, yeah. Uh, or something. I'm, that's probably not true. Um, Tweet us. We love to hear when we're wrong. <laughs> oh, love it. Oh, I love Tweet it. us. Mm. Hashtag Jazz Dad Ships. Jazz Dad Ships. Tell us that we're wrong. So wrong. Um. But, uh, Your knowledge of the British <laughs> economic systems are wrong. I guess the reason that they would have called the professional class, the upper middle class, called them middle class. It's because of the aristocracy. Because of the – in contrast to the aristocracy. Like yeah. The, yeah. The landed elite. The, the gentry. The gentry. <laughs> well, no. This would include gentry, right? Would it? Or no. This no. Would, this would be like the courtiers of the gentry, right? Right, like, yeah. So it would be like the gentry and then the um, aristocracy. I think. Yeah, so the, 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 yeah, the middle class people would be your, uh, your, your Thomas Cromwells, you know? Yeah, your, yeah, uh, your bankers, your... Yeah, the... Uh, your <laughs> heads uh, like of state. The king's, the king's factor, you know? The lord's factor. <laughs> right. Um... <laughs> My lord. But yeah, so um, when Sting's talking about a council estate, I really don't think if we dropped him off in some rougher parts of the town we live in, mm. um, that his experience would be like a, a one-to-one with another person growing up on one of our council estates. Indeed, yes. Uh, time to take a second and talk about our first sponsor on today's program, and it is the, uh, it's the tourism board for the great city of New Orleans. Norlands. We aren't just jazz. We're Zydeco, too. So um, this is actually brought to you by the Zydeco Awareness Board. Mm. Not many people know that Zydeco is a thing. Zydeco is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a type of music. And I think it's done with tin cans. And I think that like their awareness materials are distributed at their events on um, thumb drives that look like washboards. <laughs> Washboards, little tiny washboards, mm-hmm. um, little chicka chicka chicka. It's really music you can just make, you know, in the tub. Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> scrub it up, dub. Scrub it up, dub. Time for some Zydeco. Mm. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and they, <laughs> I don't know enough about Zydeco to make fun of it. <laughs> I guess they just wanted to drop into this particular episode of the program because Sting's plundering of the musical riches of New Orleans. Why not notably, Zydeco? Omitted Zydeco. Why why too? not Zydeco Sting? I mean, I mean, you're it doing was Shaggy. There. You're doing Shaggy. Like you don't have time for Zydeco, right? Zydeco's the got the fuck, the fuck, the fuck. Okay, I mean, it's you got did tons Shaggy before tech. you got to Zydeco. That, I mean, have you never seen a washboard or played a piece of grass? <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that's what they do with Zydeco too. Be good at it, I bet. No, no, jazz. I got to do jazz. Zydeco is just as awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> Isn't it a kind of rice? I think so. <laughs> Sadako brand rice. And then I think it's the guy is like a guy who's like holding a trumpet in silhouette. <laughs> Sadako rice. Yum. We, we are going to get murdered. This <laughs> will so never get in the air. Please, God, edit this out. Jumping off of this thread of the, the problematic, the, prob- so the prom- problematic. problematized uh, <laughs> album that we're dealing with here. So um, the the formation of this band, of the Blue Tortoises band. <laughs> the is, biggest tortoises. Biggest tortoises. Is um is documented in a movie. Indeed, it is. Uh, called uh, what's it called? Bring on the night. Bring yes, on the night. And you, that's the one where you see Sting Sung getting, getting born, getting being birthed. <laughs> you don't really talk about anybody getting born. <laughs> like, well, you know, it's funny. That's like the one. That's like the one sentence that it's okay to say in passive voice. Getting born. Like, well, no, I mean, nobody. Everybody says you'd say Sting was born, and yeah, you know, Newcastle upon Tyne. Yep. Uh, you wouldn't say Sting's mother gave birth to Sting in Newcastle upon Tyne, like which that would be the active version. That would be, but that would be redundant. So you'd have yeah, to exactly. say like Audrey, what his last name is, Sumner, gave mm. birth to. Sting. Is her first name Audrey? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I know a lot about that. <laughs> Oddly enough. So this movie, I have so much to say about this film. Uh, yes, tell me all about it. Uh, well, let's go with, let's first of all talk about um, where uh, the scene you were talking about where like his child is born. Yeah. And the whole, it's his, this is his, um, his Sean Lennon, not his Julian Lennon son. He has a Julian yeah. Lennon son who he's was the, the son by his first uh, wife Wh- whom yeah, he got- totally ignored and I neglected. don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't know if that's And then he true. had his second son, whom he actually loved. I think he loved all of his children. <laughs> I think. This is the birth of his Sean Lennon. No. I don't think he's as messed up as John Lennon was. So That guy was messed up. This scene, the birth scene, is like intense, but I found this clip of Sting talking about the filming of that scene. Group's first concert in Paris. This wasn't intended to be in a film at all. Um, if you know anything about the birthing of children, you know you... There's no way you can predict when, when they come. It just happened to arrive. That's a lie. That is a fucking, That's a fucking lie. Lie. A lie. Nope. And not even just Sting, but no performer is going to forget about a camera. Camera. And There's, especially that guy. Especially, yeah. Especially his wife, too. She's an actress. She's not no going to forget about that. No man has ever looked that good in scrubs ever including like men in medical hospital <laughs> dramas like and no woman would be like oh i completely forgot about that camera, camera. in my vagina <laughs> this is also this is an era in which this is 1985 cameras were very large at this point yeah. you know like if it was <laughs> like, like if one he of had those like East German uh, cars on somebody's shoulder I know. it's not like there were some gopros on the wall right yeah you know like there's a man <laughs> with a huge fucking camera on his shoulder in this tiny little European hospital room. Like, no, you did not forget about the camera, you asshole. No, you didn't forget about it. It wasn't to be in the film at all. It wasn't to be in the film at all. I just, you know how births are, you can't predict them. Other than calendars and days, sunrises and settings. But really, it's all about the magic of the time. fucking guy. Okay, so back to the Bring on the Night film. Um, what I love 
the stuff that I love in this movie is the st- all the interviews with the band members and the interviewers are clearly asking them questions like, so is this really like a band? <laughs> and here's a here's, – here's I can't wait to hear someone ask that and really like extend out band? Yeah. So you're like – it's like somebody Evil asking you, so you're partners? like together? So this is like a relationship? Are you sure? Are we sure Are about you really this? sure about this? Is this just transactional? So here's Daryl Jones, the bass player, uh, answering that question. Daryl <laughs> Jones. God, this poor guy. I bet you he was like. I'm not so totally sure yet that. Uh... I'm sorry. I have to pause and we have to talk about his turtleneck. His turtleneck looks like it's throwing up a head. <laughs> I mean, like, that is a chunky 80s turtleneck. <laughs> I'm not so totally sure yet that uh, that this is a band in that everyone has... Uh... Say it. <laughs> a totally equal say in, in, in what happens. Mm. Uh, I am curious to... To know whether it will eventually become that. Eventually. So that means it's not there. So here is... Like, uh, if it doesn't start off there, I don't know if it's ever going to get there. <laughs> Daryl. Here's Miles Copeland, uh, oh, who is oh. who is the, like, arty rip of this movie. He is the arty rip of this movie. <laughs> He's like, total son of a bitch. <laughs> that guy. That goddamn... Fucking guy. This fucking guy. Here is Miles Copeland <laughs> in the film, knowing that he's being filmed for a movie. Of course. Answering Daryl Jones's question. Oh, Good. Oh, I love him. And that's the problem for me, you see, is, is that I have to go and be brutal with the manager and get heavy with the group and say, hey, come on, guys, you're asking for too much. There's just money isn't there. And they're saying, how much money's on the table, man? I said, yeah, but that's Sting's table. That's not your table. You know, and you, are, and you argue with somebody saying, look. This is all you need to know about Miles. Yep. Is that. Yeah. Is that Sting did his brother wrong and Miles stuck with Sting. <laughs> I know. That's, That's all you need to know. 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 All right. Listen, listen okay, to what sorry, he says I'm here. Talk it's to like, that, but I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> also his hair. So much cocaine. That oh, guy's doing his yeah. floppy hair. Yeah. Okay. Does cocaine give flop. you floppy hair? I think it makes you accentuate the flop. <laughs> you must accentuate the flop if you've been doing lines. If you <laughs> Speaking to any one of the musicians, if you canceled the show and you weren't going to show up and they bring a replacement, how many people are going to give their tickets back? No one. That doesn't mean you're not a brilliant musician and I don't love you as a person. I don't think you're great. But the fact is, is that your market value in terms of the, the kid buying the ticket, you know, he isn't going to pay to see you. Now, if Sting cancels and isn't going to show up, but you four guys are going to be on the stage, how many pe- people do you think are going to cancel? Every one of them. Because you don't count. <laughs> That's right. If the market has not assigned you a value, you have none. And he's saying this in France. Yeah. <laughs> he's saying that. I don't know why that makes it even worse. Somehow it does. <laughs> the home of the French Revolution. And here comes Miles Copeland. Miles. Even as I just ooh, I have I, w- I have found so many incredible Miles Clop- Copeland clips that I can't wait to show you. There's just something but, so irritating about him. I'm sorry. I'm gonna save those for later episodes because there's just too much. But like, this is such a fucking dirtbag. This guy. This guy. And I think that's why Sting hires him. It's like yeah. you know, that's that's what. 
That's it's so that you can pretend you're a good guy exactly. and send this son of a bitch right and be like, I don't know. It's just that got to do with Miles says. I mean, Miles, we've been together for 20 years. You know, I hope he's stealing from you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, I don't hope that at all. <laughs> so here's Sting in a in a print interview being asked that same question: Is this actually a band? And he says, I don't see them as my backup band. It wasn't as if I were in the spotlight and these guys were. And then he trails off because he knows he can't finish that sentence. Yeah. Because he knows that. (laughs) Yeah. It's not called the Blue Turtle Band. And then he says, I mean, they were given the stage. I felt it was a band. (laughs) That's what it means. That's really what it boils down to. It's what you feel. I felt it was a band. And this is what it looks like when someone is cornered. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. This is, this is what we call an unforced error in the legal profession. <laughs> I wrote the songs and I was more famous and I sang, so I had an advantage. But there was no way that they were my sidemen. Even though I just presented a whole bunch of evidence to the contrary of the right. arguments I'm ostensibly making. Yeah, 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 yeah. My sidemen. The album was just called Sting, though. And here's a is there's another. This is from a different interview. <laughs> he says, uh, in this band, it was very clear what we did. I sang and I wrote the songs and I played the guitar and I hired a drummer who would drum. Thus, the epic subtweet of uh, of Stewart. <laughs> what is the epic subtweet of Stewart? Because I hired a drummer who would fucking drum. Oh, not oh. a drummer who wanted to like participate in some meaningful way. Ooh, that is a sweet burn. Yeah. So I guess the... the but again, the, if I were Stuart, I'd be like, fuck off, bro. I'm the talented one here. I know. I, we, we, we know. We know. We know. We know. Should we be doing a Stuart Copeland podcast instead? Oh, that would maybe... No. If, no. if we did like that right now, esoteric. we would be talking about the soundtrack to the movie Wall Street, <laughs> which actually would be pretty fun. <laughs> And he does write music for ballets now. I mm. mean, he's really cool. Twinkle toes. Um, <laughs> so the unspoken thing is that's going on here is that like the, in the music industry, the distinction between band and solo artist who has musicians who play with him or her mm-hmm. is the distribution of funds, right? Yes. It's like in bands, everyone gets paid out of the same pot, but... In a solo situation, it stings table. <laughs> it stings table here. But no, looking back at the police, wouldn't Sting have gotten the lion's share of the money because he wrote all the songs? That's a separate set of revenues. So, so he would get yes, he would get the publishing, which definitely long term, that's how you make fucking bank. Which is why he's still making bank from that Dire Straits song. Yeah. Even though nobody likes that song, they just like the bleepity bloop <laughs> computer video. <laughs> it, is, it is an ace video (laughs) (laughs) but like in terms of being paid by for the sales of your record and then the biggest one being paid proceeds from your concerts right right bands split those monies evenly really from concerts yes generally i mean that's 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 usually what it means to be in a band Okay. okay um and he knew that and it's just like so all of his responses like where he was talking about this as though it's a band were just profoundly disingenuous. Like, you could have formed a band if you wanted to. Yeah. But you didn't. But you didn't. You know? And you know, he even said that he didn't want to, but then suddenly he does want to? hmm Yes, because no. he realized that there was going to be a backlash 
uh, of the the imagery of this very yeah. now extraordinarily patrician British man. Yeah, grew up in a council estate. Hiring a whole bunch of young black men yeah. to do the heavy lifting, as it were, oh, uh, behind God. him. Yeah. So that's why I think he had to backpedal on the whole thing. <laughs> he also, honestly, you know, he might have needed to present present it as a band thing in order to hire them in the first place. Oh, you know what? That's a good point. Because you know, these were all like fucking ace, fucking ace session musicians yeah. in New York at this time. Yeah. And they did not need this gig. Right. You know, and it might have, he might have presented it to them as I'm putting together a band. I'd be interested to see if he works with... Um... I know he works with Branford again, but if he works with anybody else again. The, the keyboard player. The, the Oh, right. Omar. <laughs> Not Omar. <laughs> what was the, no, Omar's the drummer. Yes. We um, don't know that guy's name. Kenny Kirkland. That's his name. Kenny Kirkland. The Phantom of the Opera. KK. <laughs> Kenny K's with his, with his Tyrannosaurus oh, Rex hands. Tyrannosaurus Rex hands, Kenny. <laughs> hey, Kenny. Hey, Kenny. If I knew him, I'd go be like, hey, Kenny. With my most southern, okay, Keeney, what are you going to play today, Keeney? He's such a sweet boy. He's don't... such a sweet boy, that Keeney. Oh, don't you love him? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just had a whole conversation in my head. Uh, what do you want to listen to? Um, <laughs> Russians. I Russians. Think. Oh, got to do Russians. In Europe and America. You just listen to me sing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. That's, that's what the people are paying for. <laughs> oh, sound effects. Gotta have a sound effect. Gotta have a sound effect. It's, it's like two years after Thriller came out. Gotta have a sound effect. And you gotta have that ticking time. I mean, this is the perfect song for 1987. No, this is 84. Wait, we just talked about what year with this. <laughs> he would have recorded it in 84 and it came out in 85. Yep. Yep. To respond to all the threats and the rhetorical speeches of the Soviet, Mr. Khrushchev said he will bury And the video is great too. I don't subscribe to this point of view. Oh, shoot, sorry. <laughs> if the Russians love their children, thing to do. If the Russians love their children, too. How can I? Oppenheimer gets a name drop. I don't know what to I'm going to make fun this. of this song, but I will tell you that when it comes on, I'm going to roll down the windows and turn it up, baby. Mm. On the one hand... It's good. <laughs> and then on the other hand... Okay, let's, let's stay with good. good. Let's stay with okay, good. Okay, okay. Um, in fact, there's there's even an interview where where uh, Stewart sort of says this when he's talking about Sting's lyrics and how um, he could he could just come up with something not intellectual at all, something very very simple that just knocks you down, mm-hmm. and something like "I hope they love their children too" is pretty powerful. I mean, you know, it's it's there's a whole set of things that I found schlocky in the world until I had. Children, yeah, and you know, <clears throat> you think you know, and that really would be the mutually assured destruction that would take care of the whole nuclear problem. Because, yeah. like, if you have a child whom you love as much as anything in the world, there's nothing you would do, you wouldn't do to protect that little person, and not not starting a thermonuclear war would be. T- 
top that, on the list of be. protecting that little child. Yep. So it, it would work, you know, if everyone loves their children as much as I love my Sean Lennon, not my Julian no, Lennon. No, that's not true. He's a good dad. I'm sure he's a great dad. I'm sure he's a great dad. Uh, yeah. If everybody loves their if everybody loves their children as much as I love the children that I love, um, <laughs> Jesus, then we're gonna be okay. So it's true. It's just like it's like that. I don't know. I think it's a really, really potent, lovely. I think lyric. it is. I think. But it there's is too. a lot of clunkers in this one too, oh, right? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that it all stands. I think it's all gold. I think it is all 100. percent Let's keep listening and find out. A gold. That one's pretty clunky, right? There's no, no monopoly on common sense on, on either, either side, side of the, the political, political fence. fence. God, he's retained his patois, hasn't he? <laughs> his political fence. Uh, he's presaging his work with Shaggy. Wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> political fence. Uh, here, here it comes. You don't think that's a clunker? No, I think it's. I think it's all good. I think it's all good. I love it all. And I think it's also. And Prokofiev quotes. I think that's really why I like it. This like, is what we call fun with fun with intellectual property in the public domain. <laughs> Don't gotta pay rights to Prokofiev. Nope, that guy's been dead a long time. <laughs> and I think that's why I like it. I think um, he can steal from a lot of a lot of cultures, as we've seen. Um, but I really like this theft. This is a good theft. All right, where do we get to some clunkier words? Children's Crusade can get a little... No, no, no. President and precedent? <laughs> oh, listen to this. So first of all, the fucking like earnest folk song trope of referring to powerful people with the honorific Mister. Yeah. Like Mister Power Plant Owner. <laughs> hey, Mister. <laughs> Mister Hydro Power Plant. Won't you love the fishes? Won't you love the fish? Hey, Mister Banker Man. <laughs> it's me, Joni Mitchell, and I'm telling you, give up the interest rates. Sorry. 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 Hey, Mr. Mister Bregan. Uh, I don't subscribe to this point of view. No, he doesn't. He but doesn't. But in a really elegant way. Mm. I mean, he could have said that. <laughs> One of the like rules that I've was like beaten over my head when I was learning writing um, was if you can't say it simply, you can't say it. Yes, exactly. And he doesn't say anything simply. <laughs> he doesn't. I mean, it's not just like layers and layers of metaphor, but I think, you know, it comes from his poetry um, background. But again, I do think he has a tendency to gild the lily a bit. Yeah, it's not, we're not talking about, uh, it's not esoteric in the sense that there's lots and lots of really, really rich metaphor and allusion and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's just wordy. It, yeah, it's just fancy for fanciness. Yeah, it's like a kid who's like writing an essay and needs to up his page number. <laughs> so he goes to the thesaurus and <laughs> yeah. just finds some longer words to say the same thing. Right. 
I don't um, subscribe to this point of view. Subscribe to this point of view now for the low, low price. <laughs> but now, now I'm thinking and now I'm sad that Sting doesn't feel like he can, he's got a valid point without all of the verbosity. It's and so he does. F- he's, got a, he's got a point. Why would this man be insecure about I don't anything? And that's the thing. I don't think it's insecurity. It's like, it's like he's beating the dead horse of his narcissism. It's mm. like he's so beautiful and so talented and so smart that he's just just he's just jacking that wand over and over and over again <laughs> over like, his own picture. <laughs> yeah, over his own just 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 by like using fancy words. It's not cuz he's insecure, it's cuz he's secure and he just needs to jack that wand some more. <laughs> and you know he calls it a wand. <laughs> it's got a little hat. <laughs> little pointy hat. But no, I think that I wonder if insecurity is and his... Latin and Latin is <laughs> he speaks to it in Latin like a wand. <laughs> leviosa, Trudy, leviosa. <laughs> my curse to always get the joke in my head, the perfect joke, like a good ten seconds too late. It's just it's just the worst thing that I live with. It's why I'm so not suited to what we're doing right now. Right, this is kind of improv. You're just like only you had. Wait a second. Let's go back. Gotta punch that one in. Gotta punch that punch gotta, it in, baby. Gotta punch that joke punch in. Punch it in. I'll be the Hugh Padgham of this conversation. But no, I seriously wonder. So the good thing about this. What we're doing is you really get to know the artists, like mm. through all of their work and through everybody that they're working with and everything they say and everything that's written about them. You could kind of get a good idea of who they are. And I wonder if like Sting's major drive is that insecurity, is that – was he fat as a child? What is his deal? <laughs> no, I don't What's think it's insecurity. I think it's hypersecurity. You think it's hypersecurity? Yeah, I think it's like it's like, a, it's like the – you know – it's like the guy who fucking like works it out, the bodybuilder who like, you know, looks great but still spends a lot of time posing in the mirror. It's just gratifying. Mm, you know? Yeah. Like that's him posing in the mirror. You yeah. know? I mean, it definitely could be. Mm. But again, that posing in the mirror would be a sign of insecurity. It is gratifying, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, we're, good thing we're only at his solo album number one. So we've got like 15 <laughs> right, more to figure this for out. me yeah. to come up with a... Unified theory. Of Sting. <laughs> Unified field theory of Sting. This album has a lot of songs about the issues. So many issues. So many songs so about many the issues. issues. He cares about the issues. I, he did. I mean, what do we have? We've got the plight of, of minors. <laughs> the miners who labor okay. in the earth. So this is what drives me crazy about him is uh-huh. um, he is he self selects into this working class background. Mm-hmm. You know he has you know he only whenever he needs a little bit of push into believability, that's when he'll say something like, you know, miners or <laughs> <laughs> shipbuilders. <laughs> Oh, craftsmen. I come from a long line of craftsmen. But then you can't just pick and choose. There's no one. I don't know. There's no, there's no unified stick, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Economic theory. Economic theories. He's reading the books he, again. He is reading the books again. Yeah. The I books. Love, the books. The library card's getting worked out. Do you like this song? 
I do. Because um, I actually like it more because when we did our first like couple of podcasts, we saw this song. When we heard this song, it was a completely different thing, and it was about like dragons and shit. Mm. And then he he reworked it into the into this. So what? again, Gordon Prime. Yeah. The fuck are you talking about? Yeah, it's a thing that we talked about. Oh, okay. As, as we have done this podcast before. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Okay, so he, 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 there's the issue of the miners. Let's see, what are, what, what other issue, what are issues does he get onto? <laughs> um, oh, uh, Children's Crusade. This is the issue of... Uh, <laughs> Muslims in the Holy Land. No, it's about heroin. It's about heroin. It's, Har- it's, about about heroin. it's clearly about heroin oh my in God. Soho, London. Clearly. Yeah. Which he com- makes a comparison A very to tenuous... Comparison <laughs> to soldiers dying in World War One. Yes, um, yeah, but Children's Crusade was the Children's Crusade and the Crusades where they all killed. I don't that? think that the Children's Crusade actually happened. Like I don't. Know if I, the, think, I think the historicity of that is like because <laughs> I guess the legend is that there was like these children who said we're gonna go we're, on we're crusade. gonna go on a crusade. We're gonna help. We gotta help baby Jesus. And then there we got, oh, here we are at the Holy Land, and they're all going to be killed by the people who brought them there. Okay. So that com- that historical comparison works with World War One. Right. How does it work with the heroin epidemic? What is <laughs> the what is the men. What is the ostensible, honorable um, cause that young British lads, young Geordies falling to so the heroin it's, epidemic it's are dying poppies. to? In England, um, to uh, their Memorial Day is they sell little cloth poppies. Yes. Um, because in the Flanders Fields poem, Flanders Fields where poppies grow, beside crosses were on row. Sure. Yeah, there was a lot of really great poetry that came out of World War One. Okay. And that was one of them. And um, so to remember as Memorial Day, for they have poppies yes. as remembrance. And you make heroin and out, you of make poppy seeds. out of poppies. I get that, but again, so, like. It's like you're relying on the transitive property to get from Children's Crusade to heroin. <laughs> like, it's like it's like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like seven degrees of poppy seeds. Yeah. You know, poppies. Therefore. Therefore. Therefore poetry. Therefore World War One. Therefore heroin. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the therefore um, crusades. SATs. I don't what it's the SATs. What dog is to cat as poppies? What crusade? What cause? For what cause are heroin users? Jordy, young Jordy men falling to <laughs> for. I don't know. That's never brought work. up. It doesn't work. Up. It doesn't. I think it does, but whatever. <laughs> I like this uh, little middle eight section here. I like it's that good. bass riff. Lots of really cool meter on this album. Lots of cool odd time signatures. It's that jazz. It's all that jazz. It's all that jazz. Jazz. Speaking of jazz. Yes. Speaking of jazz, um, one of my favorite things on this album is that he undoes the travesty that was done by the police to (laughs) Shadows in the Rain, (laughs) which is a good song. It is a good song. Um, What is a bad song on this album that I'm trying to think of? (laughs) Because I feel like I'm being a little too cheerleader of this album. But the police really fucked up this one. They really did. And boy, do they set the record straight here. It's good. The one thing I don't like is the fucking intro. Okay, so listen listen to the, the intro. Wait, wait. Wait, wait. He's not going to 
can tell you what Keith Sanders. All right, all right. Here's why I'm a fucking annoyed by that. I think that's supposed to. I think that's Branford saying what's what he is this in. So it's totally conceivable that like he could pass. You know, Sting was passing out lead sheets to the to the musicians, showing them what the chord changes are. It's lead sheets. Basically, it's a. It's a very loose system of notation associated with jazz where you couldn't like sit down and look at it and know exactly how to play it. Right. But it would it's sort of the basic skeleton and tells you what the chords are and where, where the changes happen um, and what the melody is usually. Um, so um, so it's conceivable that Sting could have handed out lead sheets to the band and I don't they, think Sting would have done and it. And they yeah, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> one, one of his hired tortoises. Yeah. <laughs> little tiny tortoise. A little tippy tortoise. <laughs> and his turtleneck and glasses. Hello. I am the fifth tortoise. Sting told me I was. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they get the lead sheets, but <laughs> And they might like start playing, and and like it wouldn't indicate what key it's in because the chord the chords are given in chord symbols, which indicates like their function, not not what actual chord it is. So, so like it's conceivable that this could happen. What this I'm could happen. what I'm saying is that there's no way in fucking hell that that confusion happened on the take that ended up in the record. Well, I think it's also the weight. Wait, that's just completely on rhythm. That you're just like, wait a no, minute. No, I b- I believe that it. Ha- I believe that he yelled that, and le- <laughs> it's not acted. No, I- I'm just saying. I think that that's like copied and pasted from like take one, and this is take fifty five. See, I think that it's um a little bit of like, ooh, it's live and jazz. I know it's we're just so it's too, exactly. And I think that happened, and they're like, ooh, I like that. Mm. Let's make this a concept album and add that to this drop this out later. <laughs> There's no way that he's like, hey, what key is it? And, and he just comes out of nowhere with this ripping yeah. lick that he opens up after the first verse. I don't know exactly where I am. I should hit my doctor's warning. It's just the best with me about the keyboard yeah there, there, that's I feel like that's dating it there was a phase wedding. of the 80s that was like that particular electric keyboard sound it reminds me of like all my cousins weddings yeah for sure that dates it a lot it, it's better when the organ part comes in on top because it kind of covers it up yeah. in the chorus I remember being very confused by this song when I was a little kid listening to it in the van in the Aerostar? Um, in the Aerostar. I think it was a Previa, actually. <laughs> the, the van that looks like a feminine hygiene product. <laughs> Made for moms. <laughs> for moms. <laughs> By moms for moms. By mama engineers. That's right. We are. Inserts <laughs> real easy into that garage. Ooh, oh, God. Oh. That's your mom, oh, dude. Oh, no. That's your mom. Um, I was because I was just like, but but why wouldn't there be shadows in the rain? How would rain interfere with shadows? And I think I actually asked my mom that, and she was like, "That's the whole point. He's supposed to be crazy." I also like that shadows becomes. He starts pronouncing the D as a T. Shadows in the rain. 
so it becomes a little chateau A little chateau in the rain. <laughs> which, is, which is probably where they were recording right now in France. I actually think they were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is fucking great, I think. Uh, and I you really know? like the breakdown of the cha. cha oh, cha. 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 <laughs> yeah, his, uh, his whole like long-standing practice of getting chants going with his backup singers. <laughs> I love that he loves chants. Loves chants. Well, you know, chants are things, you know, they're very tribal and black people are very no. close to the unconscious. Oh, 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 you guys, I've literally just hopped on my bike and gotten the hell out of this room. <laughs> Ding ding, see ya. (laughs) (laughs) What else is good? What else is good on this album? Oh, you know what? We've got the beginnings of Sting's um, uh, instrumental stuff. Mm. So the actual dream of the island tortoises. Yeah, and then he and um, Bradford. I fucking love this. This is great. And then he and Bradford are laughing about it at the end. I know. Oh, like, it's oh so great. we just tossed up we such just, such a little trifle. Oh, we just tossed off. I mean, how delightful! How de- and then you know we've got the Russian thing right there. These, this is awesome. These notes are just crazy. I do wish he would have actually like turned this into a song. It's really more of a scrap, you know. Yeah. Um, but I don't want him singing over it. I just oh. want a longer. I won't. I, and I hate. I hate loose grooves. When I like loose grooves, but I don't really like when, when like, I don't know. I got a whole. This is a loose thing. groove. I don't like southern rock loose grooves. This is tight as fuck. Yeah. And it's got some callbacks. Like, where did he get that from? That's fucking great. Yeah, sold, sold. It's good. There's then there is the last song. Which I have so many complicated feelings about. Tell me about it. Fortress Around Your Heart. Okay. Let me give you some background. Please give me some background on Fortress Around Your Heart. First off, in the video, there is a... There's two versions of the video. There is a little person in the the video. (laughs) Yeah. And some guy's like, Mr. Sting, you are not the easiest man to find. (laughs) I know. I will give you $10,000 for one song. (laughs) And he's like one song and he's like yeah and he's like okay and then he's like all buffed up and it's it's like tank top and it's like ten thousand dollars for one song okay and he does it and it's just and there's like there's like the the kgb lady watching over the closed circuit television (laughs) and what is she doing in there ten thousand dollars for one song this this song has like my favorite like lead in from a verse into a chorus yeah. ever goes, like Rrr! just listen to this really strange harmonic shift and not where I thought we were going key wise and it's just so this song, it's fucking again, dynamite man it seems like all of his best songs are about his ex-wife mm. and um or castles or castles The Gothic Castle. Gothic Castle. That's what I said. (laughs) Let me set those battlements on fire. No, this song is... It's about castles. Yes, I got it. No, it's... Yep, all right. It's about castles and not (laughs) at all about about the damage he inflicted on his ex-wife and how he wants to fix it because he's the only man who can. (laughs) $10,000 for a single song, Mr. Sting. That's who the lady was in the booth. Ooh. Oh, she had... 
She had to pay to see him one last time and get and get get it on video so that whenever she needed him, no. she would have the tape. No. That was dead. Dad. Dad. I love what I love that line. Yeah. I thought about it, I was dad. <laughs> I wish I was dad. <laughs> you made me wish I was dad. It's like he ran out of breath there, but he's like a little petulant about it. God, I, can't. I need to Boom! If I had done my homework, I would have done a harmonic analysis of what because I've I'm bad at music and I have to take a long time to think about those things. <laughs> To try to figure out what's this going on there, we do. but just the chord-wise, how he gets into that chorus is so. Um, well, you know what it is. It's like so. There. Okay. So in like when you when you go to school and you learn harmony for the first time, like in freshman year. Yeah, that totally happened to me. Um, it didn't. <laughs> I went to a normal school. Okay, so you're learning harmony. You learn about. You learn about. In your two short big pants. Things. In your short. In your in short, short pants. pants. Your short pants, and you got a little tie on. <laughs> I was dressed like Angus Young. <laughs> you were dressed like Angus Young. <laughs> Hello, children. Welcome to music school. Uh, and uh, uh, you learn about harmony and voice leading. Okay, harmony is like basically which chords lead to which chords, which chords go to other. Like you go from this chord to that chord to that chord. They each have a job to do, and there's a standard way to do things of getting from one chord to another. You learn about functional harmony, and then you learn about voice leading, which is basically like within if all of the individual notes that make up the chords, like how do you get from note to note, right? Because like a chord, if you think of a chord as like a stack of three notes, right? Then you got to got to get to the next three notes, and the the note that's on the bottom in both of those chords that's a voice, right? Like there's bomb bomb. That's the note that's on the bottom. That's one voice. There's vo- and there's like there's rules to how voices move. Like do they take really big leaps, bomb bomb, or do they go in little steps, bomb bomb? Um, that wasn't not a step, bomb <laughs> bomb bomb. That's a step. There you go. I've already failed out of music school, so All right. <laughs> at this point. And what you're basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to like write chord progressions where the right chords go to the right chords, like they they're obeying the rules in terms of which chords go to which chords, and also the voice leading is good, like the individual the movement of the individual voices obeys the rules of voice leading, right? And I have always really really enjoyed chord progressions that from a voice leading perspective are very, very smooth. Like the voices are all going to neighboring tones and it's just like, it's just like walking over to the neighbor's house. It's just a real short, <laughs> real short trip, right? Yeah. But from a harmony standpoint, the chords are like, what the fuck chord are you going to right now? This is not a chord that makes any sense at all uh, to go to from the chord we just were at. So if you have like super smooth voice leading, but very rough harmony, it's this feeling of like, in the movies where, like, the character opens up the door and steps out into, like, space or something. And they're like, ah! Like, there's a scene like that in Beetlejuice, right? Yeah. yeah. The unexpected chord change. Exactly. That's right. Like, it's like, how did I get here? I I took, like, one step and now I'm in China. Like, um, I love those kinds of chord progressions. And, like, I think that's what's going on here with that transition to that chorus. It's very hip. I love that. I think that the song is a little cheesetastic. The... I don't know. <laughs> 80s was very big on the ba, 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 Again, ba, bright and going, ba, ba, and it's ba. the go-go times. It's the go-go times. <laughs> the go-go it's the go-go cocaine go-go times. Go-go cocaine times. Go-go cocaine action. 
But you know, considering this is his first album, this could have been way This isn't his more. first album. Well, no, it's his first solo album. The Please albums were all his sting solo. <laughs> well, St- Synchronicity was really a sting solo album. Come on. That was a good album too. Um, but it could have been way more overblown. Mm. Like it really could have. I suppose, yeah. I think it's blown. You I think, think it's he, blown? I think he really blew this one. <laughs> you think he, think he, he hit on one. the big topics? He really hit on the issues. Yeah, he's and like, I read The Guardian. <laughs> it's a big sounding album. It's lots, very orchestrated. It's very, the songs are really ambitious. And there's something, there really is something quite exciting, seriously exciting about hearing an artist who like is at like the just peak of their powers, height of his life, you know? Um, suddenly unrestricted, yeah, and and like fucking cutting loose, yeah, you know, and that's what we get on Island of the <laughs> biggest tortoises, <laughs> biggest tortoises, the reptile town, reptile town, reptile town. Reptile town. I'm just imagining Sting as like the, the owner of a pet store called <laughs> Reptile Town. <laughs> Hello, and he, I mean, Hello. he's got a Cockney accent for some reason in this, you know, alternate universe. He never left, you know. Um, Would you like to castle. buy a bearded dragon? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a bearded kimono. His name is Stuart. I feel connected to that name. I don't know why. Maybe because in alternate universe, you're a rock star. <laughs> All of the little terrariums have cast castles in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's so there's like bearded dragons on castles. Callbacks to all of his like other life. It's like I don't know why I feel so drawn to this little jazz piano in with this other turtle. I just feel like <laughs> I just feel like it means something. I don't know why. I would bet that he'd be one of the guys who like he doesn't just like feed his lizards live crickets out of necessity. Like he really <laughs> likes doing it. <laughs> Oh. And he gives I the crickets names that. before he I feeds them. I could see that. But the names of his enemies. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, Miranda over at Copy <laughs> Express. <laughs> Trent. <laughs> at the package store. Oh, no, Trent. Oh, no. I guess your day's come, Trent. Your day's come, Trent. <laughs> Did you ever wish that you were dead? <laughs> Probably wish that I was dead. <laughs> Uh. But honestly, I think he shows a lot of restraint here because because <laughs> he sure doesn't in the next record. <laughs> because as we all know, what he's capable of. Mm. I guess we should discuss his Yoda turn concern. as a thespian at this stage. He, like Prince and Madonna before him, have confused musical talent for acting talent. Mm. And you think, like, if you're one performer, maybe you know the transitive properties of performance you'd be good at something else yeah but no 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 um would you like to watch some of the films they're let's films. watch some of the films um which one should we begin with oh up to you they're all so good the bride tell us about the bride the bride <laughs> okay so the bride he is dr frankenstein mm. and this time he is making with jenner uh, <laughs> the bride of frankenstein i don't know if frankenstein exists at this point but um He's making The Bride of Frankenstein, and it turns out to be Jennifer Beale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, I love you, Jennifer Beale. (laughs) But, like, he has the flattest performance. Curing is what she needs at all. Well, you mean that she might be taught a thing, too? She might be taught everything, Clavel. (laughs) Think of it. She might be made into anything. The most pliant of mistresses. I might make the new woman, Clavel, independent, 
free, as bold and as proud as a man. And yet totally subservient to all of my sexual whims. (laughs) Proud and independent and a sex doll. (laughs) There's a real push-pull in that scene. (laughs) Proud, independent, but I will make her. (laughs) She will not be of her own origin. She is mine. Uh, And then he was in Dune. Oh, God. Dune. Dune. I will kill him! I will kill him. I need to read Dune because I've only seen like 10 minutes of the movie. And I'm like, what is going on? It's a metal bikini scene. That's all you need. People have weird eyes. I don't. There's a monster on the mm. planet. I don't know. But Patrick Stewart was in it. You found a clip of, of Sir Patrick. I did. Talking about Dune. Okay. I know. Sting. I'm coming to sting. So. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> That's what the bride of Frankenstein said, Jessica Biel. <laughs> Wish you were dead <laughs> on your castle. Buffy Castle. That's what I said. <laughs> music, at least popular music, has never played a big part in my life until the last few years, for a very good reason. I didn't. I had never heard of Sting. <laughs> Again, he's an ace dude, that Patrick Stewart. Hadn't heard of Star Trek before he did Star Trek. I was from the music world. But I was aware that there was, because I'd been there a couple of weeks before Sting arrived, and when he arrived, <gasps> there was this kind of frisson everywhere. You mm. know, the whole frisson. frisson. I had to look that word up. I think it's a kind of salad. Um, <laughs> so I heard he was a musician. That's all I knew. And knew. the... And so the second or third day, we're just hanging out on the set, and him and me, and I say, so you're a musician? And he said, yep. And I said, what do you play? <laughs> and I swear, I swear, I crossed my heart. And and please just say bass, please just say bass. he said, bass. Oh, good. And I said, you know, I've often wondered, what is it like carrying that huge thing around? It's true. Everywhere you go. All right. I mean, God bless him. Sting said, um, uh, no, bass guitar. That's what I play. And I said, oh, ah, great. That's fantastic. Beautiful instrument. And you're like, are you a solo artist? And he said, no, 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 I'm in a band. And I said, oh. But not really. But not really. The police. (laughs) Folks. I said... You play in a police band. (laughs) He's the sweetest man. Oh, oh, Sir Patrick. I just want to knit him a scarf. (laughs) I just want to be like, it's okay. A nice little beanie for that head. He's so cute. He's so cute. Darling. (laughs) Um, But seriously, Sting was shit in that film. (laughs) I want to kill him! But for real, though, that guy should not have drawn a paycheck. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Mm. heavens. Heavens. Time to talk about our second sponsor today's podcast. Have your real friends from the old neighborhood finally seen through all your bullshit? Replace them with new friends you pay for. New friends you pay for. I went to new friends you pay for. Because my old friends had totally seen through my fucking shit. <laughs> right? How long did it take them? 
Oh, oh, is, 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 I mean, I suppose I think it happened in my early 20s, but I didn't reconcile myself to it until my early 30s, mm, right? Okay, okay. Um, when I realized that, yes, they'd totally seen through all my fucking shit. Oh, man, And I'm I was sorry. like, I really don't want to see the reality of my own sad existence reflected in your knowledge of it anymore. And not in this economy. Not in this economy. You don't need to. So I went to New Friends You Pay For. And all their clients are up on the wall, uh, pictures, headshots. Nice. Um, these were the people who hooked Paul McCartney up with wings. They did a good um, job. Yeah. They really, really did a good band. job. Great, great group of friends for, for Macca. For, <laughs> forever. Um, yeah. Friends forever. They're friends just friends forever. Forever, forever, ever, 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 right? You know, hot air ballooning around the world. Yeah. The one hitch with friends you pay for is that their representative is, is. is present in the room with you and your new friends <laughs> sitting in a chair in the back in the shadows. <laughs> Every now and then tapping his watch saying, you only got 10 minutes. You got 10 more minutes of my friendship. <laughs> power rankings. Uh, power. Power rankings. Mm. All right, let me go ahead and uh, and tell you where we're standing with our power rankings. Mm. Power rankings, number one, synchronicity, because that was good as hell. I stand behind that one. Ghost in the Machine, number two, Atlantis de More, number three, Regatta de Blanc. For, uh, that was number four. Number five is Zandata Mandata. <laughs> Zandata Zan- Mandata. Zydeco McRice. <laughs> Zydeco Rice. Brought to you by Kroger. <laughs> I don't... Why did we have Regatta you... de Blank so low? I think it's just because there's a lot of filler songs on that album and we're th- looking at it as an album yeah, in like, its entirety. Because yeah, yeah, if yeah. you just judged it by the singles, I feel like I'd want to put it at number one. I mean, like, if we did, we could just go back and really just no, do no, the no, singles. No, 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 I think this is but right. But I don't want right. to. Yeah. Okay, so, boy, where do we put Island of the Hired Tortoises? I still think Synchronicity is better? the best. Yes. You think that's better? I think that's better. I, I certainly think it's a better album, but is it a better... Experience? <laughs> no, I'm saying it's a better. Is it a better sting effort? Because like, if we're, we're not ranking this as in like the best albums, we're ranking this as the best sting albums, yeah. right? Yeah. And it, if we're just grading the the sting contribution, I like, still think Synchronicity would be number one. I love Synchronicity a lot, but because of a lot of that is because of the other guys' contributions. Yeah. Um, I still think it's number one though. <laughs> I mean, lyrically, musically, I Stewart was out. I guess there's nothing. There's no hit on the Tortoises album <laughs> that rises to the level of a King of Pain or yeah. A, yeah. So I guess you're right. Okay, so you want to put it at two? I'm gonna put this at two. Okay, all right. I need to make a notation of that so I don't forget. <laughs> Will you make notation for I me? Shall. Thank you, Christine. Tortoises. All right. Hey, I think that we We are so out of practice on this. Okay, it's good. Um, There's another new thing going on in Stingo's life. He's got a new lady at this stage. He does have a new lady at this stage. So I think it's time for us to debut a new regular segment. Called? Uh, What do we agree on? Uh... Trudy's Yoga Ashram. <laughs> and welcome to Trudy's Ashram. I need to find a good quote from her for the ashram. <laughs> You've got one. You've got one. Do I? Well, first we need it. We need our we need our sounder. So can you say 
Trudy's ashram. Okay. No, but Trudy talks biodynamics. Mm. But that's like a modern one now because that's her new thing. That's fine. But she's crazy. No, she's not. I'm sure she's lovely. Okay. She's crazy. Um, and Can you say Trudy's ashram? Trudy's ashram. Trudy's ashram. <laughs> that sounded dirty. <laughs> going to get all up in Trudy's ashram. <laughs> Trudy's going to show you her ashram. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the camera was there when I was spread eagle giving birth. Uh, what what bit of Trudy wisdom are you gonna are, are you going to? Uh... So Trudy is all about something now called biodynamics. Biodynamics. In her Twitter bio, she also calls herself a winemaker now. What can <laughs> she do? People spend lifetimes studying things, but no, she's just gonna go head on in and be like, "I've been here two minutes. I'm a winemaker." Head on in that. Head ashram. on in that ashram. <laughs> <laughs> this is all part of my ashram now. Um, so she is into biodynamics, which mm. is like organic, except for they bury crystals, I think. <laughs> and it all has to do with like astrology. And and she's like, mm, it's so good. We harvested in cancer. It's so good. To pull everything apart. Hard. And we're looking at how the connections mm-hmm. work and what is it that have the synergistic effects. His, her ponytailed guru. Her pony, of course, he's got to have a pony. The synergistic. Exactly. And to be successful at this, you can't divide your life up so nice and neat like that. you got to bury you some crystals, man. fully committed to what you're doing. She's just watching this guy what talk this like, yeah, yeah. She's absolutely, she's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make this an integral part of my ashram. TLC, tender, loving care. Yeah, love it. No, no scrubs. This <laughs> is so. <laughs> I swear she talks earlier in the clip about how gross. <laughs> okay, hold on. Trudy, tell me a little bit about uh, this whole voyage, this biodynamic voyage with uh, biodynamic with baby. Alan. And, um, it's really great. I've seen your vineyards. They look so healthy. Tasted your wines. They're absolutely delicious, particularly Sister Moon. And it's yes, we need to buy a bottle of Sister Moon wine. <laughs> well, for the last um, episode. Serendipitous, really, that, um, serendipitous. that we met. Um, I was on... Um, an osteopath's table. Of course. Uh, in, uh, Which, well, wait a minute of now. Of course. <laughs> I wasn't, That's all the best I, stories. I was, all the best. <laughs> I wasn't just visiting an osteopath. I was on an, an osteopath's, osteopath's table. table. <laughs> Does an osteopath mean the same thing in Britain that it means in America, it, which is guy who couldn't get into MD school? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is it the same as a chiropractor? <laughs> Maybe. And um, I looked up at his wall, and he, he had um, a picture of a vineyard. And, um, you know, making small talk, I said, oh, Dr. Hagopian, that looks like a very nice vineyard. He said, yes, it's mine. And I said, well, where is it? And he said, it's in Topanga. I said, you kidding? <laughs> so the next thing I knew, I was um, seeing his vineyard. And um, on his next visit, which was to come and uh, just stings back, he bought a bottle of his um, Wine, and what he told me was that they were biodynamic um, wines. 
So I'd heard of biodynamics. Uh, I'd read quite a lot about Rudolf Steiner. The term is biodynamicism. Anyway, the proof of the pudding was in the drinking. And when I tasted Stefan's wines, it was like, God, the scales dropped from my eyes. Because I'd tasted what? some organic wines and they'd really disappointed. Yeah. And this was just heavenly. And um, he... Um, was kind enough to introduce me to Alan, who's of course created the Benzinger Estates, and who had created um, Stefan's. What is that thumping in the uh, back? In Topanga. So that's our, uh, the, our journey. The help. The help. Assembling <laughs> things for the evening. The vineyards at Il Palagio, which were in a sorry state, I think mm-hmm. it's true to say that. The grounds were very parched. The drainage system. Uh, and, and that was four years ago. That's not biodynamic. That's can't, not biodynamic. Can't have parched ground. You don't you have the, the marrow thing, of the a whole idea of young-born calf. And also organic. It's almost a way of life, a way to live agriculture, a way to to perpetuate, in a strange way, traditional ways, old ways of doing things. Just you know, really getting a feel for for what's there. Well, I, I believe it's the only way. I think you know, nature is complex. Um, in its simplicity and what we've done and it's gone a bunch very of nonsense. wrong with intensive farming is to make that complex simplicity a whole lot more complicated and in doing what? so we've <laughs> and in doing so made it more simple mm-hmm. point where we're looking at exhausted soils that don't want to grow anything nature is kind to us they it don't want to. to they don't want to they don't want to they just want wish to. they were dads <laughs> so actually sort of like trying to get it to be in the state that it was um, in, in restoring rather than it's called crop rotation shooting I, I, <laughs> I mean I learned about it in 6th grade social studies I mean, it's yeah. not. It is simple and it's complication. Your your English. I thought you knew everything about medieval agronomics. <laughs> no, right. The scales dropped from my eyes when I drank that wine. <laughs> I don't. I have to ride this line very carefully because I don't like making fun of people for their appearance. But when their appearance is so much their own surgical creation, see, I <laughs> I actually think she's pretty beautiful. She, I think she just looks just like, like a, a giraffe. I think she looks like um. I think she's always kind of looked like that. Oh, but, okay. Well, now I feel bad for. I thought that well, was no, like a product but she has, of but modern she has technology. Done a lot of stuff to her face. She even says that she has. Mm. Um, but I think she gets a lot of a lot of pushback for how she looks. But I think nobody else looks like her, and yeah. I think that's you know really really beautiful. Yeah. But again, I'm not saying she's not a pain in the and ass. No one's going to look good like on Sting's it. arm because he's the most beautiful woman he's, in the room, right? He has to be, or the Sting's ashram, as it were. <laughs> Sting's the most beautiful lady in the ashram. <laughs> Did you see him in his yoga pants? <laughs> Ooh. Sweated right through him. Sweated. It's not just Prince Albert. Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> There's a whole thing that you just implied there. Trudy's ashram. Meg, does Sting have any words of wisdom for us today? He does. He has mm. so many words of wisdom. Mm. And a real come down to Margaret Thatcher, old Mrs. Thatcher. Mm. Oh. She has so much to pay Don't for. Don't subscribe to your point of view, Don't Mrs. Thatcher. Mrs. Thatcher, you were a chemist's daughter and lived above a shop. <laughs> <laughs> we can't, can't trust anyone of that general description. You really can't. I mean, I remember people still talk about that. They're like, she lived above a chemist shop. Her father was a chemist. And I'm saying it like in a snotty American way, but like, <laughs> like they, she they lived still. Above Bob, a chemist shop. Oh my God! <laughs> Can you believe this? Bitch? Can you believe this? Batch? <laughs> I mean, she is not Look at the that. size of her chemist shop. <laughs> <laughs> you can't miss it. 
<laughs> we worked the Wait, why, did, why did people talk about that? What was what narrative did that reflect? It, because it was the aristocracies kind of looking down on the merchant class. Oh. Yeah. So they always still bring up like she was the daughter of a chemist and lived above, you know, his shop. And Because I was... think of being a chemist as a rather high status profession. It's actually a pharmacist oh, a ph- over there. Oh, yeah. a druggist. A druggist. A lowly druggist. A lowly druggist. So he sold, uh, he sold ice cream floats <laughs> to... The kid who played kid version of Jimmy Stewart. He did. Whacked him in the ear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, Mr. Pride. Oh, no. I know you didn't mean to do it. You're just so sad for me, child. Oh, Maggie Thatcher. (laughs) It is a wonderful life, isn't it? We work the black seam. This is from We Work the Black Seam. (sighs) One day. Hold on a second. (laughs) Surely. Surely there's a, there's a gay porno from 1986 called We Work the Black Scene. <laughs> if there wasn't, there's got to be one now. It's a throwback for the people who are super into 80s you know, pop. Well, you know, you know who loves 80s pop nostalgia? The, the gays? They, they do. They do. Maybe they wouldn't get that <laughs> wouldn't be lost on them. Like, this is a pretty esoteric need, title for a pornography. The club remix of <laughs> Work the Black Scene. Boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom. Maggie Thatcher. Boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom. Daughter of a chemist. One day in a nuclear age, they may understand our rage. That there's that's called a couplet. That's a couplet, my friend. Mm. That's an A B. Mm. No, that's an AA. 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 And here's, here's the BB. Here comes the BB. And wait till you see the last B. <laughs> they build machines that they can't control and bury the waste in a great big <laughs> hole. How did that get past the editing process? <laughs> I was thinking I'd been singing this song wrong the whole time. I'm like, it sounds like he says holes, but there's no way he would say anything that in- inelegant. <laughs> and bury the waste in a great big hole. <laughs> <laughs> Would you prefer gaping? <laughs> Would you prefer? <laughs> I just maybe, maybe I would. <laughs> that would work well with the the club remix of "We Work the Black Sea." <laughs> boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom. Gaping, gaping hole, coal miners. Buffy also. That's what I said. Reminds me of The Simpsons, The Anvil. Work it, work it. <laughs> dig it, dig it. Mm, mm, mm. Work that, work that black scene, work it. Doot, doot. <laughs> I, I like I like the bicep do, curl do, motion do, you just do, did on that. Do 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 do. Yep. Oh, we're do, gonna, do. gonna go to hell. You're <laughs> gonna have to do so much editing on this. Well, that's it for uh, Outlandus the podcast for the day, is it not? Indeed, it is. For I the think day. we've done enough damage. I think we've done enough damage to our souls and our reputations. What's uh, what's next week? Wait, no. So it's um, Island of Blue Turtles, and then it is. Oh, it's one of my my favorite ones. Um, shit, going around the sun. <laughs> yes, nothing like the sun. Nothing like a sun. Nothing like a sun. nothing like a sun. Nothing like a sun. Oh, oh. nothing like a sun at the end of this day. <laughs> I'm gonna need one. <laughs> A Capri Sun with booze in it. <laughs> it's Molly's little snack pack. It's a booty Capri Sun. <laughs> that conveniently looks like an IV bag. Right? <laughs> you fucking back, mainline eh? that shit. Mm, mm, I hate my life. Mm. Uh, if you want to try to uh, 
uh, yell at us, yell at us, <laughs> and make it seem like we were being racist with our my joke about hiring black friends when in fact the butt of that joke is the white guy who's too lame. You can't and... explain what a joke is. You can't. You can't be like it was really about this. It is what the audience takes it to be. Okay. The white guy is the butt of that joke, by the way. The and if you fucking tweet joke. at me with something <laughs> other than that, do so at hashtag Jazz Dad's Ships. Jazz Dad's Ships. Jazz Dad's Ships. Jazz. 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 Cha! Oh. Cha! <laughs> the tribal peoples, they just, they're, they're, no, they're, they're so no, close to the no. unconscious of the earth. <laughs> On my bike again, <laughs> bing bing! <laughs> well, I've been Adam Magusia. I'm Meg Donahue. Or am I? <laughs> Maybe my name is Marcy St. Helens. The druggist's daughter. <laughs> the druggist's daughter. Meg Donahue does not exist. Do not try to find her. It is I, Marcy St. Helens. Ha ha, I fooled you this whole time. I was the one who talked about royal penises. <laughs> it's a book I'm writing. Royal penises and their owners. <laughs> Called Royal Dogs. One of those family trees. <laughs> yeah. One of those royal family no, trees, no. but it's all dogs. <laughs> I saw it in my head before you finished your sentence. <laughs> oh, heavens. Tis I, Marcy St. Helens. And I have a moustache. I don't know. And scene. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.